I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Podcasts. This episode contains descriptions of graphic violence and scenes of genocide. Listener's discretion is advised. Leo was back in Sao Paulo. He'd had a few close brushes on his trip to Brasilia. We'd almost been spotted by some Israeli friends, but his cover was still intact. At his hotel, Mio found business letters and telegrams waiting for him. Requesting your authorization to close the $100,000 deal we discussed prior to your departure, read one. The letters looked real, but they weren't. Mio's Mossad boss back in Paris, Yosef Yariv, had sent them in case the butcher was checking up on his new friend, Anton Kunzla, while he was out of town. Herbert Zuckers had invited Kunzla to visit him and his family at his home, so Mia was getting ready for the meeting. He had no idea what would happen, what they would ask him. He didn't even know what Zuckers wanted, which was the real question. Most spies use a handful of motives to get people to do what they want. Money, sex, patriotism, resentment. You've seen things like that in the movies. They're all easy ways into somebody's life. But Zuckers, he was an odd fish. He seemed to want to be a hero again, to be beloved. Mio couldn't offer him that. It was beyond his powers. So what could he dangle in front of the butcher? Here's former U.S. Army intelligence officer Chris Costa. 
So human intelligence officers, they are trained to be a little bit psychologist, a little bit body language expert. They're also a father confessor. They're a rabbi, they're a priest, they're a friend, they're a teacher, they're a mentor, they're a coach, they're a student. They have to adapt, but all along the way, you are looking for clues as to what motivates this individual that I have to manipulate. Neil would have to play amateur psychologist. He sat on his hotel bed and thought back to his meeting with Zuckers, and he asked himself a few questions. What was the butcher missing in his life? What did the butcher really want? And how could he give the butcher that one thing he lacked? I tried to imagine what had gone through Zucker's mind since our uh, so-called accidental first encounter that had ended over a glass of brandy in the cabin of his boat. It was clear that Herbert Zucker's missed the days of glory as deputy commander of the Riga ghetto. Then he had been almost uh, an almighty god at least where the life and death of the Jews of Riga was concerned. He most uh, probably recalled those days fondly when he was at the zenith of his power, treated with uh, great reverence and fear by anyone who saw him riding on uh, horseback through the streets of the ghetto, clasping a heavy handgun clad in his black leather pilot's coat. Then he had unlimited power, the power to uh, determine the fate of other people. How he must long for those days, which seem now, looking through the window of the shabby ticket office of his rundown boat rental business, like a mirage produced by memory cells with an overdeveloped imagination. I'm Stephen Talty, and this is Good Assassins, Hunting the Butcher. So if the first part was to find a Nazi and bring him for a trial, the second part was to find a Nazi and kill him. He shot fast with the expertise that comes from experience. The end of a trail of blood and horror. The end of a man whose name will be written in infamy. Episode 5, Baiting the Hook. Sitting there, Mio began to feel his way into Zucker's life. He thought about this former superstar pilot, now working as a kind of grease monkey. How far this man had fallen in the world. Question 1, what was the butcher missing in his life? respect. The Jewish activists who discovered Zuckers living in Rio hadn't managed to get him deported or arrested, but they had badly damaged his public image. Zuckers was a social outcast now, and it was clear he hated it. Question two, if making him a hero was out of the question, was there anything that could substitute for it? Mio thought about that. 
A narcissist like Zuckers, he wants what he used to have, power and fame. The butcher wanted people to look up to him. Back in Latvia, he'd been a winner. He was beloved. And he liked that a lot. So question three, how could Mio get the butcher, or pretend to get the butcher, the power that he so clearly wanted? They could always start with money. Money would buy Zucker's new suits, and it would buy him new glasses to replace the taped up ones he'd been wearing at the docks. First came money, then respect, then power. It was an age-old formula, but it worked. Mia was guessing at all this. He had no idea, really, what was in the butcher's heart. But as it turned out, he'd come very close to the truth. Again, Chris Costa. This is, ultimately, this particular case is an incredible example of looking every step of the way to understand what motivates this target so that I can set up the ultimate trap. And I think in this case, he was motivated by wanting to regain something that he lost. He wanted more financial stability. He wanted to be an important person again. So he was vulnerable to a great business opportunity with somebody he trusted. In doing my research, I came across an interview that Zucker's wife had later given to police. She told them that when Zucker's first started getting successful in Brazil, he told his friends he was going to, quote, create a great club and found a school of seaplane pilots unlike anything that had ever existed in Brazil. Not only that, he wanted to build a new airplane engine that would revolutionize the industry. His dream had always been to be a pioneer, to shock the world with his genius in building airplanes. All he needed was an investor to help him with money. Mio didn't know about any of these dreams, but he'd somehow detected what Sucres was looking for, a backer, someone to believe in him. Who knows, maybe with the help of Kunzle and his backer's capital, he will finally be able to pull himself out of this dismal existence, always on the verge of poverty, and become rich, a respectable member of society, and, uh, and rid himself of the persecution of the Jews that had been beleaguering him for years. The American reporter Jack Anderson, who traveled to Brazil in 1960 to cover Nazi fugitives, sensed it too. Zuckers wanted to rehabilitate himself. And both Anderson and Mio offered him a shot. So, interestingly, Zuckers turned up the charm and trotted out a very similar routine for both Mio and Jack Anderson. I think that uh, he was... uh afraid not so much of the publicity as he was of the Jews. I I think one of the reasons that he may have been willing to talk to me was to present his case, how he had saved this girl and how he was not a Jew killer and how he had been misrepresented. So, sitting on his hotel bed, Neil decided on his approach. He would dangle a chance at redemption in front of the butcher, a last shot at riches and fame. That was the bait. Mio got into his rented VW and followed the directions that Zuckers had given him to his house. When he turned the corner onto the final street, he found he was in a normal, boring suburb, lined with modest homes. Here's how Anderson describes it. It was about 20 miles, as I recall, out of dirt road, out of 
kind of a remote but very pastoral setting outside of Sao Paulo, comparable to a lakeside uh, development where wealthy people might have bungalows. Couldn't have been more peaceful looking place. It was almost a postcard of tranquility. And when I got there, there were three seaplanes, sure enough, sitting, three of them, sitting uh, anchored near his house and two big burly guards at his gate. It was easy to spot the Zucker's residence. In fact, it stuck out like a sore thumb. The house was completely surrounded by a high fence topped with barbed wire. The German shepherd that Yariv had warned him about was barking at Mio through the fence, showing its teeth. The house was pretty basic, and there was a garden shed in the yard. It confirmed Mio's guess. Clearly, Zuckers was hurting for money. The butcher emerged from the house and spotted Mio getting out of the VW. His face broke into a wide grin, and he called out to Mio, saying how glad he was to see him. Zuckers tied up the German shepherd and invited his guest inside. Here's how Anderson describes meeting Zuckers. I approached the gate and asked, uh, identified myself and asked for him. And one of these two big burly guards goes up to the door and knocks on the door and a guy comes out. He's uh, 30 yards away, 40 yards away, waves to me to come on in. And so I, they let me in and I walk in and it was kind of chilling because he was wearing a leather jacket and I'd read all these stuff. He was wearing this leather jacket. When he turned around to open the door, he had a pistol poking out of his back pocket. Kind of chilling. He invited me in, and uh, we talked at great length. As he entered the house, Mio's eyes darted around the interior. He was looking for signs of the past. During the years uh, 1941 to 1944, Zuckers had amassed a small fortune robbed from his uh, Jewish victims. But he had to leave most of it in Latvia when he escaped the Red Army to the West. And the remains of the stolen goods had to be sold in order to finance the long escape route from Riga to Sao Paulo. Now as he studied Zucker's home, Miro realized that the money and the jewels, they were long gone. There were no chandeliers or grand pianos here. The rooms were modestly furnished even a little shabby. It was a good sign. His instincts had been right. The butcher introduced Mio to his children and to his wife, Milda, a thin woman with messy hair. She looked frazzled or maybe anxious. Zuckers brought Mio over to a wooden chest and began pulling out medals and ribbons and showing them to Mio. He was clearly proud of them. Most of them were for daring trips to Africa, Japan, the ones he'd made in the 30s when he was a world-famous pilot. He was showing Mio that he'd once been somebody. Mio nodded and congratulated Zuckers. His eyes drifted around the drawer. He spotted a bunch of other medals. These ones, they were different. They had swastikas on them. Clearly, they had nothing to do with aviation. This was for work Zuckers had done during the war. At that moment... I preferred not to think of the activities for which Zuckers had been awarded these decorations. Here's how Jack Anderson describes getting a similar tour from Zuckers. And I uh, 
at some point asked him a question that required him to look up some papers or documents, and he opened a closet that was by the front door. He opened the closet, and there hanging in that closet was a row of Nazi uniforms, all freshly pressed, complete with a swastika. He made a big point. I remember during the discussion, he denied the atrocities, which I would have expected him to, but spoke crudely of Jews, you know, using, I'm not a Jew killer, saying it contemptuously as if he wishes he were. And his greatest evidence of that was that he had helped a Jewish girl escape. And I talked to people about it, and they said, yes, that's correct, he did help. And it was an obvious ploy, so that if he ever got caught, he, he would. this was going to be his great excuse, his great justification for not having his own neck wrung. What do you mean I'm a Jew killer? I saved this girl. And he did save this girl. But he killed many others and raped many others, but he saved one. And I was told by the Jews themselves, yes, he did save one girl. And he did that to create an alibi for himself. What came next was even more disturbing. Sukers opened another drawer, and Mio immediately saw guns. There were two pistols, a Beretta, a German Mauser, and a semi-automatic rifle. All the evidence that I saw around there checked completely with the file that I had, even to the point that it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It checked completely with him, with what was in the file, in these affidavits, the way he acted, the, his physical appearance, the way he dressed, the pistol in the back of his pocket, his, his arrogant attitude, his uh, brutal ways. He wasn't brutal to me, of course, he wasn't brutal, but he conducted himself like a man who would be brutal. I would have hated to have been his prisoner in that place, I'll tell you that. He's big, brutal looking, brutal talking. So I came away convinced that he was uh, exactly what the Jews said he was. He just uh, struck me as the kind of a guy who would have probably enjoyed kicking me around. Sukers was having a good time, picking up each gun and showing it off. He leaned over to Mio and told him he knew how to take good care of himself. Mio wondered why Zuckers was showing him the weapons. He was posing as a developer, and Zuckers was auditioning for a job. It's not as if you need an arsenal to sell real estate. Was the butcher trying to prove to Mio that he'd once been a soldier? Or was it a warning? Maybe Zuckers suspected that Mio really wasn't who he said he was. Mio couldn't figure it out, not yet, but he felt exposed. The lack of backup he'd insisted on now seemed foolish. Mio realized it wouldn't be easy to eliminate this man. He was crafty and suspicious. Zuckers brought Mio out to the workshed, showed him some pictures he developed. He'd taken them from his plane, and they covered different areas of the city that might be right for investment. After the scare over the guns, it was a positive sign. It showed that Zuckers was interested in working on the real estate stuff. He was hungry, and that was a good thing. Afterwards, the family sat in the living room. Zuckers was talkative, but his sons and daughters, they were kind of awkward. They didn't say a lot. Mune got the sense that the family didn't get many visitors. Though some Brazilians had defended Zuckers when he was accused of being the butcher, 
many others, they'd abandoned him. He'd lost friends, and the family seemed starved for company. Anton Kunzla was a lifeline. Neil could feel how much the Zuckers needed a savior. As they munched on cake and sipped coffee, the kids loosened up a bit. They began asking Kunzla about the future. He assured them that he was planning big things for Brazil. He and his partners were serious about investing and making a lot of money there. And their father, he was part of their big plans. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. If you're this far into the story, we're assuming you're enjoying hunting the butcher. 
If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would you be able to take a minute to give the show a rating and a review? Just find the show's page on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the section called Ratings and Reviews, and tap one of those purple stars to give it a rating. Then tap the little purple link that says Write a Review, and leave a few words about what you think of Hunting the Butcher. It really helps get the word out and let other listeners know about the podcast. Much appreciated. Now on with the show. Later, he and Zuckers drove around. They were looking at properties that could become vacation resorts. Neo feigned interest, but he was thinking about how to get the butcher out of the country. If Zuckers had shown him the most beautiful plot of land in Brazil, he wouldn't have cared. He was building trust, dependence. Zuckers sensed that Kunzla was bored. The places he'd shown him weren't doing the trick. So he came up with an idea. The two of them should take a trip inland, away from the coast. He told the secret agent that he owned two plantations there. Maybe they'd be right for Mio's tourism business. Mio immediately agreed. It would be like a boy's trip, an adventure. They could relax on the way to the plantations. They could bond. I should point out here that Mio was violating almost every rule of working undercover, especially when your target was as dangerous as the butcher was. And it doesn't surprise Chris Costa. So in many cases, you are solo, you're a singleton, you're alone, you don't have a backup, you don't have a quick reaction force, you don't have the ability to simply call for help. There's no switch you can activate that sends a message that you're at risk. So this is where you have to constantly assess the risk and the amount of risk you're willing to accept. Usually, in espionage work, if there's a risk, your cover will be blown and you'll be exposed. You try to keep your interactions to public places that are easy to escape from, or where a killer might feel reluctant to shoot you because there could be witnesses. So you keep your meetings to the safest places you can think of, not plantations out in the middle of nowhere. Zuckers was proposing going into the backcountry, the two of them alone. It was super risky. If Mio had passed the idea by his boss, Yareve, he probably would have said no. But Yareve was thousands of miles away, and Mio was flying solo. He agreed to go. Mio could see that Zuckers was starting to dream about the future, to get excited. That's what Mio wanted. In the morning, Mio's first stop was to a sporting goods store. He felt strange about going with Zuckers into the jungle unarmed, so he bought a small knife. He would have preferred a gun or something more lethal, but he couldn't conceal a gun, so he had this thing that was really a glorified penknife. Most Mossad agents would laugh at such a weapon. What are you going to do with that? But it was the best Mio could think of. When Mio arrived at Zucker's house, the butcher emerged carrying supplies, canned food, and other things. In his other hand was a long bag. Mew knew what that was, and he froze. It was the rifle he'd seen the day before. Why was the butcher bringing a long gun to the jungle? Mew began to get nervous. There was one other detail he worried about on the drive to the plantations. He, like most Jewish men, was circumcised. 
but his cover was an Austrian businessman. An Austrian most likely wouldn't be circumcised. So how would Mio explain if the two of them went to take a leak in the jungle and Zuckers glanced over? He had to prepare for everything. He decided to tell the butcher that he'd gotten a sexually transmitted disease during the war and that doctors had performed an operation. Soldiers were always getting syphilis and things like that. They could laugh about it, reminisce about the war. Maybe it would work. The long trip to the plantations would also give Zuckers a chance to see if they were being tailed. If Mio had people following him, some kind of a backup team, they would be exposed on the deserted roads. At least for now, Mio's decision to come to Brazil solo looked smart. It was hot, a typical Brazilian day. Finally, they drove up to the first plantation. It was disappointing. A small plot of land, not much to look at. Mio shook his head. There was nothing out here. Why would Zucker's think this would be a good spot for an expensive resort? It had been a waste of time. They got back in the car and headed to the second place. This one, it was much more promising. A huge farm with thousands of banana trees, their leaves swaying in the breeze. It was pretty impressive, actually. At least there was room for a hotel and maybe a swimming pool. It might work as a tourist destination. There was one other thing. The place was completely deserted. Like, not a soul in sight. Neil parked the car and got out. Zuckers did too. Then he reached back in and grabbed the rifle. Zuckers asked me to take a short walk. He pointed to a small path leading to an uncultivated area full of trees and uh, tall bushes and tells me it leads to a small river swarming with crocodiles. Mio appeared perfectly calm, but inside he was tense. Something was very wrong. Clearly the trip wasn't about real estate ventures or plots of land. You could dismiss bringing a rifle along. Maybe the plantations had wild animals. But the butcher wasn't even trying to talk up the place as a tourist destination. He was up to something else. Zuckers had brought him here to see if Kunzla really was who he said he was. I knew that Zuckers was observing my reactions closely and hastened to accept his offer without any hesitation. They walked down the path and stopped at a small clearing where Zuckers took the rifle out of the bag. Zuckers asked Mio for a shooting match. If he'd really been on the Eastern Front, he should know how to shoot a long gun. Zuckers pointed to a tree about 50 yards away. There was a metal plate nailed to the trunk. That would be the target. You're being led in the jungle to shoot with a guy that you know has already killed people with his own hand? Is this yet again? Are you being tricked and manipulated by somebody that certainly was uh, vicious and displayed that viciousness during World War II and a propensity to kill people? All of a sudden you're alone on some plantation? Is this a setup? Are you going to be killed? I had no doubt in my mind that this shooting competition was no spur-of-the-moment idea. It was a well-planned move by Tsukos, intended to put me to the test, and maybe even beyond it. Mio also realized that if it came to a fight, his little pocket knife wasn't going to be much use. 
Zuckers loaded 10 bullets into the rifle and sighted the plate hanging on the tree. He let off 10 shots, one right after the other. You could tell he knew how to handle a gun. He shot fast with the expertise that comes from experience, a large part of which had been acquired by shooting naked and petrified Jews in the head in the Valley of the Dead in Rombula Forest. The Rombula Forest was a place near Riga where the Nazis had murdered 25,000 Jews in the winter of 1941. Zucker's shots all hit their target within a two-inch radius. He'd done well. He handed the rifle to Mio. I could see out of the corner of my eye how he followed my every move, waiting to find out whether I was an imposter or had a rich military past. From the minute I had taken this mission upon myself, Anton Kunzler had become an inseparable part of me. Mio pulled the trigger again and again. When he was finished, the two men walked toward the tree. Mio was praying he'd hit the target. When they studied the plate, it turned out that Mio's shots were clustered in the center. He'd done even better than Zucker's. The butcher seemed excited. He cried out, way to go, and slapped Mio on the shoulder. Like many soldiers, he placed a lot of weight on whether a man could shoot a gun. He was almost completely convinced I was all right. As of that moment, the atmosphere between us became much lighter. As if the shooting match was some male ritual of the two former comrades in arms in the service of the Fuhrer. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Hi. This is Stephen Talty, host of Good Assassins, Hunting the Butcher. The folks that helped me bring you this show, Diversion Podcasts, have just launched another podcast that I think you'll like. It's called Backstaged, The Devil in Metal, a deep dive into the history of metal music, filled with never-before-heard interviews and stories from some of the biggest names in music, including Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, Van Halen, and many others. It's outrageous raw, and surprising at times. Backstage, The Devil in Metal is out now. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The test was over. Mio, he'd passed. The two men walked back along the path. As he went, Mio felt a sharp jab in his foot. A nail had gone through the bottom of his boot and pierced the skin. He sat down, took off the boot, and looked at the cut. Zuckers was standing above him, holding the stock of the rifle. Suddenly, he handed the gun to Mio and told him to pound the nail down so it wouldn't cut him again. The magazine was in. The gun was uh, loaded. One bullet in the head at point-blank range. Another bullet in the heart to ascertain death. And uh, the mission is complete, I thought. By the time they find him here in this uh, remote corner of the world, I shall be long gone to Europe. Do you decide that you're going to take this mission in your own hands? And despite the plan that you're developing, are you going to kill this guy? It was tempting, but in the end, he couldn't do it. The butcher had to die in a certain way, almost a ceremonial way, for the mission to succeed. The team had to read a verdict out, and this had to happen in a country that wouldn't endanger Jews. It was just too soon. It took an incredible amount of discipline. But intelligence officers always have to keep in mind that they have a plan. There's a logic for that plan. Who could have known that you would end up on a plantation alone with no help, shooting a weapon with the target of your later assassination attempt. So the amount of discipline and courage it took to to not use that weapon when you had it in your hand while you're executing target practice, the amount of discipline it took him not to end the mission right then and there is extraordinary. Mio pounded down the nail. He got up, and the two made their way back to the caretaker's hut, where Zucker's fixed dinner from the canned food he'd brought. Darkness had closed in, and they sat on their camp beds, getting ready to sleep. Mio was thinking 
of the past. I remember to this day uh, the moments of departure from my family and hometown. Uh, the whistle of the train as it slowly rolled out of the main station, adorned with uh, dozens of huge Nazi flags. It still rings in my ears. My parents stood on the platform and waved goodbye to their 15-year-old son, traveling on his way to a, a far-off land. At that moment, I felt I was cutting myself off from everything German, preparing to become a proud Jew in the land of Israel. I could not help but to think of my family, exterminated by murderers similar to the man who sat less than a meter away from me. From testimonies I, uh, I gathered after the war, I learned that my father died in Treisenstadt in May 1944. A short while afterwards, my mother was transported to Auschwitz, where, together with millions of other Jews, she was murdered by the Nazis, who were assisted by monsters like Zuckers. Now the butcher was only a few inches away, it felt surreal to Mio. And in an odd way, Zuckers was a kind of connection to Mio's own family. Zuckers had been there in the middle of the action. He had been close enough to touch the Jewish men and women as they were marched to the death pits. I wonder if Mio was asking himself the same questions I've been asking for the past three years. Why had Zuckers done it? Why had he betrayed those people? Mio had the ultimate chance to get the answer straight from a Nazi. The guy was sitting right there next to him. But Mio, when he recalled that moment later on, didn't talk about motives. He just seemed to accept that Zuckers was evil or just responsible. The why didn't seem to bother him. He wanted to kill the butcher, not psychoanalyze him. That bothers me, to be honest. Is it pointless to ask why Zuckers became a killer? If Mio felt satisfied that he understood the butcher, maybe I should be too. But after thinking about it, I can't agree. Saying Zuckers had done evil things wasn't the same as saying that he was 100% evil. There has to be a way to get closer to his actual reasons for doing what he did. The moment passed. Mio saw Zuckers slip a pistol under his pillow. There wasn't anyone around for miles, but the butcher was still on his guard. Hours later, in the darkness of the small hut, he woke up. He saw Zuckers standing up and taking the gun from underneath the pillow. My heart started to race. What was he doing? What was he up to? To be on the safe side, I grabbed my personal weapon the poor, small pocket knife I had purchased in Sao Paulo. Zuckers turned and walked outside. He was just going to take a leak with his gun. It was almost comical to me. I could not believe the butcher expected an ambush in the middle of the Brazilian jungle. How much harder would it be to assassinate him in a foreign country when his paranoia was sure to be even more pumped up? I'm sure Mio had the same thoughts. Zuckers was going to make the kidnapping of Adolf Eichmann look easy. When I spoke to Gad Shimron, the Mossad agent who knew Mio, he commented on this. 
No doubt that uh, Mio was aware that Sukurs is not an easy target. Sukurs was suspicious. He was aware that he is on a wanted list of some of the survivors of the Holocaust. And he, uh, uh, I mean, first of all, his house looked like a, like a Wild West uh, fortification, like Alamo. He had uh, guns at home, dogs, barbed wires, etc. And of course, he was very, very suspicious of anybody trying to get too close to him. Sukhus, from time to time, expressed his uh, suspicions that something is wrong with this nice Austrian businessman or out of nowhere appeared in his life with uh, promises for, for golden future and uh, uh, excellent business. And as we know, Sukhus, till the last moment, was not fully sure that uh, Mio is kosher. Sorry for using this Jewish word in this case. Finally, Mio went to sleep. He couldn't solve the puzzle yet. He had to get closer to this Nazi. He needed more time. He felt he and Zuckers had made a kind of breakthrough in the jungle. The guy trusted Kunzla, or at least it felt like he trusted him. But he was about to find out that bond was fragile. The butcher, as it turned out, was hunting Mio as much as Mio was hunting him. Good Assassins, Hunting the Butcher is a production of Diversion Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. This season is written and hosted by Stephen Tolte. Produced and directed by Scott Waxman and Jacob Bronstein. Executive producers Scott Waxman and Mark Francis. Story editing by Jacob Bronstein with editorial direction from Scott Waxman and Mangesh Hatikadur. Editing, mixing, and sound design by Mark Francis. With the voices of Nick Afka Thomas, Omri Engel, Andrew Polk, Mindy Escobar Leantz, Steve Routman, and Stefan Rudnitsky. Theme music by Tyler Cash. Archival research by Adam Shapiro. Thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. A special thank you to Kevin Anderson and the Anderson family for permission to use the Jack Anderson recording. Leah Richardson and the Special Collections Research Center at George Washington University Library, and Ron Saw. Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. 
That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.